Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, breaking down Chris Finch's interview with J.J. Redick last week, there were three main things that Chris Finch talked about that he wants to see the Timberwolves improve this year, specific to their offense. I want to break them down in a bit more detail today and, uh, you know, kind of read between the lines what Chris Finch might have been trying to say and also where the numbers back him up, uh, what happened to the Wolves offense this last year in, in a disappointing offensive season. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. Hopefully you're having a fantastic week so far. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this one. You can also watch along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, which you can find on either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. All right. So late last week, I think it was last Thursday, Chris Finch was the guest on the Old Man in the Three podcast. That's the JJ Reddick pod. And um, it was a really good conversation. We talked a little bit about it late last week and also mentioned it on Monday show. So what I want to do is take, in my mind, there were three kind of main things that Chris Finch talked about uh, specific to, to, last year slash this year's Timberwolves teams, right? Like the conversation was wide ranging. They talked a lot about uh, Reddick's time playing for Finch in New Orleans. They talked about uh, other players in the league, um, et cetera, other, you know, Finch's background, coaching overseas, et cetera, coaching the G League, his relationship with all the Rockets guys, Maury and Hinky and uh, Rosas and, and everybody that got him into, you know, stateside to coach in the G League and the NBA. Great conversation. But specific to the Wolves, I had three main takeaways. And we could really title this podcast, Chris Finch's Three Things to Fix the Timberwolves Offense This Season. I don't know if you asked him three. I don't know if these are like his one, two, and three. But they make a lot of sense. And they're three of the main points he made. Um, So let's dive into it. I want to start actually with offensive rebounding. And I talk a lot on this podcast over the last year. I did talk over the last year a lot about rebounding in general. And specifically defensive rebounding, right? Because this, the Timberwolves have been a bad defensive rebounding team for seemingly since Kevin Garnett was on this team the first time around. So, you know, we're talking, what, 15 years, something like that. I Like, I'm pretty confident. There's probably a couple of Kevin Love years. They were middle of the pack defensive rebounding. But the Wolves have been a bad defensive rebounding team for a very long time. Like last year or two years ago, they were 27th in defensive rebound. Right? Last year, they were 26th. They've been yeah, bottom five for a long time, right? But I want to focus on offensive rebounding because – well, defensive rebounding is, is uh, I know it is by name, it literally is part of defense. And this is just a real quick aside. If I haven't said this in a while. So if you're a new listener to the podcast, when I rant and rave about defensive rebounding, the Timberwolves problems there, I always like to point out that like rebounding gets shortchanged by 
people a lot of the time as being a key part of defense, right? Because what, how is the only way you can get the ball back? What's the only way you can get the ball back from the opposition? Well, they score, um, they turn it over, or you get a defensive rebound. That's the only way you're going to get the ball back. Like literally the only ways. So if you're not, if they're like, if they're missing a shot, you've got to get the rebound. So it inherently is part of defense. The Timberwolves have been a bad defensive team forever. They obviously cleaned that up quite a bit last year. Yes, Rudy Gobert had a lot to do with it. So did Jade McDaniels. Uh, so did uh, Chris Finch and, and the coaching staff. So they were a top 10 defense. Defensive rebounding was still bad. Um, and a couple years ago, the defense was improved despite the defensive rebounding. But that was one of the one of my things that I harped on, especially in the 21-22 season. Now it's the offense. Right, the the script kind of flipped. The offense last year was bottom ten all season. It finished depending on where you look, twenty third to twenty fifth, something somewhere in that range in terms of offensive rating, offensive efficiency, and and what was one of the biggest issues? Offensive rebounding. Two years ago, in the twenty one twenty two season, the Timberwolves finished eighth in offensive rate rating according to Basketball Reference. That's their measure, uh, or that's where Basketball Reference had the Wolves in terms of offensive rating two years ago, or a year before last, 21-22, the, the Memphis playoff series year. The Timberwolves were eighth in offensive rating, according to Basketball Reference. They were also seventh in offensive rebound rate. They shot a ton of threes. They shot more threes. They got to the line more, and they got more offensive rebounds. So we could cherry-pick any one of those to talk about. We will talk about three-point shooting later, as you'll see if you're watching YouTube. You can see what the three things are on the side of your screen there. We will talk about some three-point shooting later, specific to a couple of guys. But offensive rebounding is something that, frankly, should be the easiest thing to fix. Because in a lot of ways, it's about awareness and positioning and also just simply working harder. And I know that sounds like I'm coaching a, a middle school basketball team, but like that's such a big part of rebounding, right? It's the effort level, working harder. And then also anticipation, being in the right place at the right time, floor balance, et cetera. Like understanding all of those things. It, you know, that all plays into it. But putting this very, very simply, look at the personnel that Tim Rolls lost from the 21-22 season to the 22-23 season. Yes, they gained Rudy Gobert, who has been literally the he was literally the NBA's best defensive rebounder a couple years ago and, and is just good on the glass in general. But they lost Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Akogi, and Patrick Beverly. And you might be saying to yourself, what are you talking about? Nobody missed Josh Okogie and Patrick Beverly for their rebounding. Well, true. In a vacuum, like if you're talking one of those guys' strengths, probably you're not talking about rebound at all, right? But for their roles, for their position, they were good. And they were replaced with guys who were not effective this last year. Let's start with Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt, two years ago, had a 12% offensive rebound rate, which is incredible. The best on the team, if you take out Nate Knight, who only played in 37 games that year. Better than Nas Reed, better than Cat. Um... Best on the team. The next best offensive rebound rate after Vando, Nasri, and Carl Anthony Towns was Josh Kogi with a 5.9% offensive rebound rate in the 21-22 season. That was a point and a half better than Jade McDaniels. It was better than, uh, far better than Anthony Edwards, almost three times what Anthony Edwards' rebound offensive rebound rate was. Um, almost four times what Torian Prince's offensive rebound rate was. Uh Six times what uh, what D'Angelo Russell's offensive rebound rate was in 21-22. So Josh Akogi had the fourth best offensive rebound rate on the entire team. So you're missing your number one and number four offensive rebounders from that year. And oh wait, Patrick Beverly was tied for fifth with Jaden McDaniels at 4.4%. Patrick Beverly was your fifth best offensive rebounder by rate two years ago. And who did the Timberwolves replace them with? Well, loosely, I mean, you could say... 
Kyle Anderson replaced the Vanderbilt role, right? Uh, he ended up starting like literally Towns or Gobert did in the starting lineup. But in terms of minutes allocation, and obviously Kyle Anderson started a bunch at the four after the cat injury anyway. Uh, but Kyle Anderson replaced Vando. Now, Kyle Anderson had the ball in his hands a lot more. He was initiating. He was distributing a lot more than Jared Vanderbilt ever did. So there's a big reason for this. But like it is what it is, right? Because you 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 improve in one area, you might be taken away from another. Kyle Anderson had a 3.8% offensive rebound rate this season. That's a really low offensive rebound rate. 3.8% from a guy who played primarily the four this season. So you replace your best at 12% offensive rebound rate with a 3.8% from Kyle Anderson. You replace Josh Okogie's minutes, again, not apples to apples, but loosely with Jalen Noel for the, most of the season. That was almost cut in half from 5.9% for Josh Kogie to 3.3% for Jalen Noel. You replace Patrick Beverly's minutes with early on, it was Jordan McLaughlin, then it ended up being actually quite a bit of Noel, you know, in that slot off the bench. Uh, Bryn Forbes at times early in the season to kill Alexander Walker. Those guys all have minuscule offensive rebound. Austin Rivers, Austin Rivers had an offensive rebound rate of 0.6% this season in 52 games, below 1%. Torian Prince, by the way, 1.4%. I harped on rebounding being on both ends of the floor being a big problem for Prince this year. One of the areas the Wolves might clean up a little bit by replacing him. Uh, Bryn Forbes, 1.7%. Jordan McLaughlin, 2.5%. Not horrible for a point guard, but not great. It's not Patrick Beverly's 4.4, right? So the point here is those incremental changes matter. And no, the Timberwolves weren't a bad offensive rebounding, rate, or offensive rebounding team simply because they let Josh Okogi and Patrick Beverly go. But by replacing them with guys that were below average, replacing good offensive rebounders with guys who are below average, um, that affects your offense. Offensive rebounding affects your offense. The more possessions you get, like, again, by definition, like it seems silly to kind of reiterate these definitions, but defensive rebounding ends a possession. Offensive rebounding gives you another possession, right? Um, that's one of the, one of the key measures of a successful offense is a successful team is how many possessions are you generating. It's one of the reasons why um, teams started to play faster because the more possessions you get, the more chances you have to shoot. Right, the more threes you shoot, the higher uh, the more threes you're going to make. Right, generally speaking, that that's how this. It's pretty simple math. So offensive rebounding is really important to offenses. It's one of the reasons why the Timberwolves went from a top ten offense to a bottom seven or eight offense, depending on where you're looking, last season. And it's not because Josh Okogie was an offensive ace or Patrick Beverly was, you know, the key to the Timberwolves bench last year on the offensive end of the floor. It's because you're replacing, or even Vando, right? It's not like Vando was scoring a bunch, but you're replacing three capable, above average, very good offensive rebounders with three essentially below average offensive rebounders. And in the grand scheme of things, now so some of this is also scheme. And Finch said this on the podcast, right? It's, it's, it's scheme. It's, it's, um, it's spacing. It's understanding the floor balance that I mentioned earlier, and it's also simply effort. But um, the easiest way to 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 kind of hash this out is by pointing out the three guys that are gone, the three guys that replaced them. Again, not apples to apples, but a pretty good picture of what happened last year. And an area that Chris Finch identified in this interview with J.J. Redick, the Timberwolves need to improve. And I think it's entirely doable. You know, we could talk about some of the personnel changes the Wolves are making going into next year. Uh, by the way, playing even bigger, Kyle Anderson will play more at the three because of the Nas Reed signing. Nas Reed, by the way, had a um, had a, a, 
a dip in offensive rebounding himself last season. He went from 8.8% two years ago to 6.6%. Carl Anthony Towns had the worst offensive rebounding season of his career by far last season. Now, obviously, I should have mentioned this earlier. Part of the reason there was that dip uh, for the team is that Cat played 50 less games than he did the year prior, right? Or 45 less games or whatever. But Carl Anthony Towns himself including last year, has a career offensive rebound rate of 9.5%, and he was 5.7% last year. He had never been below 8%, 8.1% in his career offensive rebound rate. He dipped to 5.7% last year. So he obviously culpable there as well. Uh, we know he only played 29 games. But those are all the reasons why that happened. And offensive rebounding and, and the lack of offensive rebounding is a huge reason why the Timberwolves offense dipped to bottom, you know, the bottom tier of the NBA last season. I want to get to next... As you'll see, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see there on the side of your screen. I want to talk about Anthony Edwards' catch-and-shoot threes. This was something Chris Finch honed in on a bit on the Reddick podcast, so we'll do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Jace Medical. Uh, Jace Medical has the Jace case at jacemedical.com. It provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is you fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, you might jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians and get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions, doctor-created and doctor-recommended. Simply put, Jace Medical wants to make sure that you don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. I mean, that could be a natural disaster. It could be getting stranded. Uh, we're getting into the fall and winter travel season. If you're traveling for holidays, um, it makes a lot of sense to have a Jace case. So you're ready to go when something happens that you otherwise may not be prepared for. Jace will handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication, delivering ongoing consultation and care. I just signed up uh, actually yesterday and I'm expecting my Jace case to arrive at any moment. There's plenty of examples out there of, of times when Jace, Jace Medical has come through. Uh, like Frank, for instance, uh, said a, cost, a real customer that said, it's easy as one, two, three, and just in time. I received our package the same day I got a sinus infection. My doctor is out of town, no appointments for days. Thank goodness it arrived. Again, storm shortages, pandemics, currently supply chain issues, reliance on China, et cetera. We need to be prepared now more than ever. You go online, you fill out a form, and you get a prescription. Life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind, so you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. Again, my code LOCKEDON will get you an additional 20 bucks off at jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listed every day. Uh, of course, we are wrapping up the offseason portion, I guess, of Lockdown Wolves already. Man, it's crazy. Uh, training camp's just a couple of weeks away. Preseason starts in like three-ish, I guess maybe four weeks. So we're going back to daily shows next week. Uh, we're going to get into player previews here shortly. Um, it's getting real. Uh, so be sure to tune back in. We'll have a show Friday and then again back to daily five days a week starting next week on Monday. All right. Next up on the list here today, related to Chris Finch, uh, his topics with J.J. Redick last week on the on the Old Man and the Three podcast, is more ant catch-and-shoot threes. And this was part of, I kind of picked this out of a bigger conversation about ant, and also J.J. Redick talked a bit about himself and how he was told by coaches, by Finch and Alvin Gentry back a few years ago in New Orleans when Finch was on Gentry's staff, hey, stop shooting so, so many mid-range twos, don't pump fake 
and dribble into a long two, pump fake and side dribble, sidestep into basically escape dribble into a, 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 a what should be an open three. And Redick was saying, I'm a great long range two shooter. And he said this maybe a little more colorfully than I'm going to say it now. Uh, he's but like he's like, hey, I can shoot twos at a high clip, which is true. But you have to be a really, really good mid-range shooter in order to make that a better shot than a mostly open three-pointer, especially when you're as good of a three-point shooter as J.J. Redick. So Finch talked a bit about Anthony Edwards and said that he just in general needs to shoot more threes. The shot selection, as we've talked about on this show, needs to improve a little bit. And he talked, he mentioned, I don't remember his exact words, this isn't verbatim, but Finch said something about how Anthony Edwards is a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, and he just needs to do more of it because he's so good at it. And he is. We've talked about this on the show many times before. As a rookie, it was like 33, 34% catch and shoot threes, which is obviously below league average. But the last two seasons, he's been over 41%. Two years ago, in 21-22, Ant was 41.3% on catch and shoot threes. Last season, he was 41.7%. And if you look at the overall, uh, at the percentiles in the NBA, 41.7%, according to B-Ball Index, is 84th percentile. They grade that out as an A-. So 84th percentile league-wide at catch-and-shoot threes. He's a well-above-average catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Yes, his overall percentage was around 37. It was like 36.9%, which is, I think, last year slightly below league average, if I'm not mistaken, um, right near there, right? But he's well-above-average in terms of catch-and-shoot three-pointers. 41.7% is 84th percentile, and pretty much every other type of three-point shot that Ant shoots is pretty league average. This is So again, according to B-Ball Index, he's 37% overall, which is 71st percentile, 34%, I'm rounding up a little bit, 34% on pull-up threes, which Ant loves to shoot in transition, 67th percentile. That's a B, according to B-Ball Index. Above the break threes, 36%, 72nd percentile. Corner threes, 43.3%. Don't get too excited. That's 75th percentile, which is maybe a little above average. They call that a B plus, but it's not a phenomenal number, right? Now, of course, most corner threes, almost all corner threes are going to be catch and shoot. Uh, but in general, Ant's an 84% catch and shoot three-point shooter. Or, sorry, no, 84th percentile. 84% would be really good, wouldn't it? He's 42% catch and shoot, 41.7% to be exact. 84th percentile uh league-wide catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So Chris Finch was absolutely onto something. That's two years in a row now where he's been north of 41% from outside the arc. He continues in catch-and-shoot outside the arc. He continues to improve in that area. And last year, about a third of his three-point attempts were catch-and-shoot, according to B-Ball Index. Nearly two-thirds were pull-up threes. Um, and also, by the way, only 10% of Ant's Three-point attempts were from the corners. 90% came from above the break, according to B-Ball Index. Uh, which, by the way, B-Ball Index even says they gave him a minus 0.97 for three-point shot quality. And their definition for that is an overall measure of shot quality combining shot location, openness, and type. That's an F. 11th percentile for three-point shot quality. And with all of that, Anthony Edwards was 84th percentile catch-and-shoot threes and somewhere between 67 and 75th percentile everywhere else. And they even give him, because of the difficulty of his shots, in part, or due in large part to the difficulty of the shots, Basketball Index gives him an A for three-point shot making, an A-plus for three-point shot creation, and an A-plus for perimeter shooting because he's taking the most difficult shots he possibly could, and he's still making them at a league average or better clip. So to Chris Finch's point, Anthony Edwards... 
please, 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 please shoot more catch and shoot threes. Be more decisive when you catch the ball on the catch. Let it fly. Shoot threes. It's going to be easier than the pull-up in transition. It's going to be easier than a step back. It's going to be easier than, um, you know, I guess those are the made ways he's generating non-catch-and-shoot threes, right? Shoot the basketball when you get it on the perimeter or be decisive and drive to the basket. And, and again, he improved with that last year. It wasn't horrible, but there's such there's continued room for improvement there. And the sky, I say this almost every show, is very literally the limit for Anthony Edwards. His talent is so immense. The fact that we're talking about him taking some of the most, I mean, 11 percentile in shot quality from threes, but he grades out it as an A or an A plus in terms of three-point shot making, shot creation, perimeter shooting overall, because he's such a talented player that as Finch said casually, I mean, I'm, I'm pleading more than Chris Finch was right now, um, or I'm pleading right now more than Finch was on that podcast. Just shoot those easy catch and shoot threes, and um, you're going to be so such so much more effective and efficient as an offensive player. And Finch goes on to talk about shot selection in general. And, and really, Ant didn't actually like his mid range attempts were up a little bit last year, but for the most part, the shot selection continued to improve. The consistency just wasn't quite there. And it's like you know, occasionally late game, uh, heat check situations, which happen maybe more than they should. Um, late quarter, late clock situations, Ant's forcing up these threes. But if he just took out one or two of those a game and added in one or two pull-up, or excuse me, catch-and-shoot threes, not pull-up threes, like his overall three-point shooting percentage is going to be north of 38 39%. And in general, who's be so much more efficient as a player. Um, and I would say this, based on that interview with J.J. Redick, this is one of Chris Finch's main goals for this year for the Timberwolves offense is to get Anthony Edwards more catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities which will increase his efficiency and the overall effectiveness and efficiency of the Timberwolves offense. Um, pair that with some offensive rebounding, some improvement in that area, and this offense immediately becomes far more dangerous uh, than what we saw last year. One more thing to get to, and a little bit of Carl Anthony Towns in this conversation as well, so we'll do that here next to close out the show. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props. And more, of course, it's football season. That is uh, college football Saturday, NFL Sunday this week. There's college football games now, Thursday and Friday night. There's plenty to bet on over at FanDuel. Baseball, the pennant race, the Twins are in it. Uh, lots of fun, exciting stuff over the next three weeks leading into uh, playoff baseball. Again, now is the absolute best time to join FanDuel. All customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Plus 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, closing the show here today with the, uh, another Chris Finch item from the conversation with J.J. Redick, uh, specific to the Timberwolves offense as a whole. And Finch talked about the need for the team to have a bit more offensive structure this year. And you'll recall, I think it was even two years ago, but certainly last year, Finch talked about the offensive philosophy being a bit more free-flowing, um, the the kind of the way he liked to describe it was putting bumpers up 
on the offense and allowing the players to kind of move within those bumpers and create their own scoring opportunities and, and not as many, you know, it wasn't a Ryan Saunders rigid, you know, play sets in a massive playbook like Ryan and Flip Saunders and even Tom Thibodeau at times. Um, more of a free flowed offense with bumpers. Well, Finch even kind of lamented this at times last year, but saying that the Wolves needed a bit more structure. Now, of course, that's going to be the case when you had, yes, D'Angelo Russell running the offense. You have a young you know, 21-year-old Anthony Edwards running the offense. Now you've got Mike Conley, so you've got a bit more of a, a steady hand kind of helping the offensive flow. But Finch acknowledged in this conversation with J.J. Redick that, yes, there needs to be a bit more structure. And maybe the primary reason is, and he says this, is Gobert and Cat on the floor together. You need to kind of have a plan for where those guys are going to go and when, so they're not getting in each other's way. And and a huge part of this is they just hadn't played together. So I think Rudy probably didn't fully understand how much Cat wanted to be driving from the perimeter and face-up situations. Cat didn't really understand that Rudy's either like in pick and roll or he's lingering near the rim ready for an offensive rebound or a, or a drop-off pass from a point guard or from a, a guard or a wing. And... The spacing was just not good at times. And I had said coming into the season last year, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal because Cat can space the floor, right? Like you're just kind of shuffling where your shooters are. You still have four or five guys that can shoot. But remember, both Cat and Ant love to drive to the basket. And if you end up with a guy driving, Rudy lingering in the dunker spot or closer to the rim, and a cutter, you've got three guys clogged in the paint and only two guys spacing. And that's just not the right formula, right? So Finch talked about needing a bit more spacing and having more structures to the offense. He also talked a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns' role and how Cat made more sacrifices than anybody else last year and how rare it is for all NBA players, who Cat's done it twice now, he's been an all NBA player, to be asked to basically change their position and their overall game uh, to accommodate an acquisition by the team. And Finch talked, he mentioned like, hey, I, I, I'm again paraphrasing here, but I, I don't you know, I didn't want to ask Cat to stand in the corner and just shoot threes. And then he mentioned kind of as an aside, like, I would like to see his, his three-point rate go up. Like, he could stand to shoot more threes. Um, I talked about last fall, it was early in the season, I think it was before the Towns injury, maybe after the first, call it eight or nine games, like right before the injury, when the Timberwolves offense was struggling. I remember doing a show where I spent a significant chunk of the show talking about how, like, hey, Towns could be a souped-up boy on Bogdanovich this is, of course, well before my colleagues on the Timberwolves. Basically, copy and paste what the Jazz did to have the league's most efficient offense a couple of years prior and run the offense. Anthony Edwards in the Donovan Mitchell role, Mike Conley in, currently in the Mike Conley role, Carl Anthony Towns in the Bogdanovich role, and Gobert in the Gobert role, right? Like now, you literally have two of those guys. And Edwards and Mitchell, there's a lot of similarities with how they play. And I would argue that, you know, Ant is, uh, that there's, I prefer Ant's playing style in the ceiling. I'm not at all saying he's better than Donovan Mitchell today in September of 2023, but he could be very soon. Um, all that to say, like that was kind of my thought. Now, Bogdanovich, a lot of what he did in Utah, not the only thing, but a lot of what he did was he hung out in the corner and he just crushed corner threes at like 47, 48%, just an, a ridiculous percent. Um, I wanted that to be Cat's role. And then obviously you could play off of that, right? Like Cat could do so much more than Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich is a really talented offensive player. But I thought that that was kind of a good baseline for what Cat could do in this offense. Now, Finch pretty much said, that's not what I want to do. Um, and I, 100%, like, I think actually my argument was when Rudy's off the floor, Cat should be facing up from the perimeter and shooting over smaller 
bigs, you know, shooting over fours, taking fives off the dribble to the basket, dropping them off at the rim and getting it and one, right? Like, and then when Rudy's on the floor, run, pick and roll with Ant and Rudy, let Ant attack, dump it off to Rudy and Cat stands in the corner and hits threes at a 47% clip. Like that's oversimplifying it. But I think that that might be the best of both worlds. And then if Ant and Rudy are off the floor, it's Cat's show, 100%. Like Cat gets every possession. Just just do it. And if you have Ant and Cat on the floor, you could do a little bit of both. You could do a little bit of Ant attacking, do a five-out situation. You could do pick and roll with Cat. If Rudy's on the floor with Ant, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with having Carl Anthony Towns play that ancillary role for, I know it's a big chunk of the game that they're going to play together, but if he's still your second option, essentially at that point. And he's your number one option for every moment that those other guys aren't both on the floor together. So I I think like I'm building out a little bit further beyond what Finch said. Finch just said, we need more structure and we need, we need um, to get cap more three point opportunities. Um, His three point rate actually last year was the highest it had been since the 1920, the the COVID shortened season when he also was hurt before COVID. Um, It was actually the second highest three point rate of his career this year which I thought was interesting. That surprised me a little bit. Um, But it also was his worst three-point shooting year since his rookie season. He shot just 36.6% from three last year. I don't think anyone thinks he's a 36% three-point shooter. He's career 39.5% now. He is a 40% three-point shooter. So getting Cat, call it eight attempts per game, which is roughly where he was last year, is completely reasonable. Or Sorry, not eight attempts per game. I was looking at the... the, uh, uh, per 100 possessions, what was he per game? Like six attempts per game? Yeah, 5.7% attempts per game. I think getting him six to seven is completely reasonable. Two years ago, or three years ago, I guess now, he was over six attempts per game. Four years ago, he was eight attempts per game. So I think somewhere in that six to seven, eight's maybe a lot in the current structure of the offense, but um, I mean, more is better, right? Like, I, I'm I'm not saying it's a lot because I don't want him to shoot eight to three, eight, eight threes a game. I just would be surprised if he gets that number. But all that to say, there's room for growth there. You can get Cat more three-point opportunities and still continue to improve the efficiency and the overall flow of this offense. That's all completely doable. So um, to Finch's point, more three-point opportunities for Carl Anthony Towns, more structure to the offense could actually lead to a more efficient, more uh, kind of grease the wheels for a more efficient offense. I think that's completely within the realm. Um, so Finch's three things that I'm building out further, more three point opportunities for Carl Anthony Towns and structure in the offense. That's, that's one together more catch and shoot threes for Anthony Edwards and better offensive rebounding as a team, which is something that personnel will impact effort will impact scheme will impact. Um, just, just playing harder, right? Like the, all of those things together, can help improve this Timberwolves offense this year. What was a really disappointing offensive season last year? Some would say an offensive offensive season for the Wolves. There's a lot of room to grow uh, for the Timberwolves on offense in the coming season. All right, that's all we got for you today. We'll be back again on Friday. And then, of course, next week we go back to five shows Monday through Friday, starting on Monday the 18th. I cannot wait to get this whole thing rolling as we get closer to the season. A big thank you to those that do make this show your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this show. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter or X at Beacon and also at Lockdown T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. 
Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.